podcast. It is. But some of the best ones I've heard are the ones that are like, chat, 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 chat. Oh, shit, are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. I just started it. Like, whatever, right? Because it's the conversation. Like, I love that, which is what makes it better than radio. Right? Mm-hmm. I think so. Mm. Yeah. Food is good. Mm-hmm. Is it good? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yay. So did we get all the good things? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure, because mm-hmm. Szechuan Chung is really our jam. Yeah. I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm happy, happy. Great. And if I may be so bold, yeah, I will have cake here, but if you just send me home with some cake too. Yeah, and by I'll home, I mean the, the hotel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The lemon, not the carrot. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they're lemon and carrot. I don't actually know for certain that they're we'll lemon and out. carrot. I think you're right. But I think they're lemon and carrot. For does, some reason, I feel like does the this need to go here closer? No, I actually need it to stay where it was. Like right here? Oh no, that's too far. Yeah. Okay, right here. Mm. Great. Wow. <laughs> okay, Morgan. <laughs> you and your scintillas. <laughs> oh, I lied. Actually, yeah. Wow. Well, okay. How's that? <laughs> that was actually better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're like learning how to do this thing together. Mm. That's good. Should we, um, should we start? I've been recording. She does this every time. (laughs) For like a, like throughout your whole explanation of that, I just was like, okay, fine. You said it was okay. So I just started. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, well, um, I'm Kona. And I'm Morgan. And I'm Mama Shuray. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Black Chat the Podcast. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
Parker has just sent us a text wanting to know if we need wine. <laughs> I don't drink. Okay, so that that would be a no. <laughs> I have I have everything I need. You have everything you need. I do. Okay, I'm gonna tell me you have everything we need. What? what do you want wine? I don't drink. I would be the only person drinking that wine. So do you want wine? I'm not gonna drink alone. <laughs> He's well, you coming. Won't be alone. I don't know if Parker's gonna stay, but we'll see. All right. Do something. We're both picking out our teeth. Yeah. Well, you know, we're out here being black, which means we're actually sticking our fingers yeah. into our mouths and picking the shit out of our teeth. Yeah. All right. Let me do a thing while you text him. Do you want me to do the thing? Sure. Because yeah. then we can talk about why I do it this way. Oh, oh I yeah, love do that. it. Great. Yeah? Great. Yeah. 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 So this is this is your land acknowledgement, These which are... you did last night at the panel, the UBC panel, mm-hmm. which was about uh, the intersection of community and academia and blackness. Yes. Essentially. Yes. I don't necessarily call it a land acknowledgement as much as I call it acknowledgements. Plural. Yes. Okay, go. Yeah. Okay. So acknowledge the Coast Salish peoples on whose unceded territory we meet, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. I currently work and live in Chibuktuk, Halifax, the traditional unceded territory of the Maliseet, whose ancestors, along with the Mi'kmaq and Passamaquoddy Nation, signed peace and friendship treaties with the British Crown in the 1700s, roughly 140 years before the end of slavery in Canada. I was raised in London, Ontario, the territory of the Chippewa of the Thames, the Oneida of the Thames, and the Muncie Delaware Nation and spent the majority of my life in Toronto, the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, and the Haudenosaunee, the Haudenosaunee and the Wendat peoples. August 2019 marked 400 years of the beginning of the transatlantic slave trade. So what does this mean? It means that black people have been in North America, and this is a grossly conservative estimate, Okay. for 400 years. Damn. I think we assume that black people only came to North America, including this region currently called Canada through slavery. But this is simply not true. Black people have been here before slavery, through slavery, and of course after slavery. Thus, if we are committed to disrupting colonialism, if we are committed to an anti-colonialist practice, Mm -hmm. we must acknowledge black people, period. Mm -hmm. Genocide has not erased indigeneity of the people of Turtle Island even though practices of genocide continue. Ooh, excuse me. Neither has slavery removed the indigeneity of black people. Oh. Even though many of us are doubly displaced from our own traditional territories. We need to talk about that. And as we continue to live in this afterlife of slavery. If colonization of the Americas begins in land theft and the compromising of indigenous bodily autonomy, for black, for black people, colonization begins with our bodily theft and Ooh. removal from lands we can no longer claim. Ensure colonization begins for us with the attempted theft of our indigeneity. So I take this time to acknowledge the black folks who made home in and amongst indigenous communities, sometimes welcomed, other times shunned. I think of the communities around London, Ontario, known to us as Chatham, Dresden, and Buxton. Halifax was imposed on and within Chibuktuk in 1749, and enslaved indigenous African people were used to dig up the roads and build the city, including much of the citadel. On the southern shore of Bedford Basin, 
Mi'kma'ki folks shared land with black people, and this allowed Africville to be founded in the mid-1800s. I acknowledge black folks who made home in Salt Springs in collaboration with and perhaps at odds with the Saanich, Cowichan, and Shimanius First Nations, and black folks who made home and were then displaced from Hogan's Alley. In this acknowledgement, I honor black and indigenous people who continue to be here, who continue to fight against genocide and the afterlife of slavery. And I respectfully acknowledge our collective ancestors, indigenous, black, queer, trans, genderqueer, and two-spirit, who were born here, forced here, and continue to make home here. So those are my acknowledgements. When you read that at the panel, mm -hmm. I I caught my breath mm -hmm. because I don't hear I don't I don't hear that connection being made. The first person I heard do something like this was M. Jackie Alexander at an event in Toronto. Who's that? She wrote um, Pedagogies of Crossing. She's a scholar. She's um um. She's just, she's, she's brilliant in her work. Okay. And she was at U of T for a while. Um, uh, prior to that, being in a university in the States, I think one of the UCs, one of the University of California branches. Um, I believe she's Trini, she's Trinidadian. You know, she does mm. this work mm. um, in feminism, on transnationalism, and um, decolonization. So if you have a chance to read Pedagogies of Crossing, it is, it is a word. <laughs> like it is, it is, um, you know, for some people it is their, it is their biblical text. Wow. And she, it was the first time I had heard anyone do this. This must have been in the early 2000s or maybe mid 2000s when I was in grad school. Mm -hmm. um, so before the tens, so in between the <laughs> zeros and the tens. Um, and, it, and it also made me kind of sit and take notice mm -hmm. and made me, help me articulate the irritation I was feeling around land acknowledgements, but didn't really have the language. Yes. Right? Yeah. And the irritations I was feeling, and actually, you know, it wasn't irritation, it was rage, around the ways in which people spoke, indigenous people and others spoke about settler colonialism mm -hmm. without any kind of acknowledgement of the enslavement of black people. And how Canada is Canada through the enslavement of black people, right? Like that was, it. it's almost as if you are making a recipe for the cake, right? You're doing the cake, yeah. but you decided not to put the cinnamon in, the eggs in, or the butter in, mm -hmm. but you're like, like, look at my cake. And you're mm -hmm. like, no, no. The other way I describe it, and I use this with my students, I when I was teaching at Thornlow University, which is this very, very, very small, predominantly white liberal arts university in Sudbury, Ontario. Okay. And it's on the same campus as Laurentian. So I was trying to figure out how to do break the ice things at the beginning of a course. Right? Mm -hmm. How do I get to know my students? So one year I was like, you know, tell me about the people, the women who inspire you. And it was this, and it was kind of like, they were like, well, what black people do I know? Let me name her because my professor's black. So they were like... Were people really doing that? Yeah, they were like... They were like, like they were so like, out of this sea of white faces, yeah. people are like, 
Oprah, Audrey Lord. Oh, no, not Audrey. You're sweet. Oh, sorry. Oprah Winfrey. Uh, okay. Right? They were like, okay. I, used to, I, I used to watch Oprah with my grandma, right? So there was like, no. I was like, so Oprah isn't in your lexicon. You're just raising it because she's the only black woman you know. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to ask this the next year. So Jesus. then I was like, tell me, and I think I also asked that same year, tell me your favorite genre of music. And way too many people said music I, I just didn't want to know about. And so and then... when you say music you didn't want to know about, are you saying music that is predominantly, predominantly made by or influenced by blackness? No. It was kind of the music uh, that is predominantly made by and for white people that really trades on white supremacy and racism. You know, like, like white country music, and so I was like, I don't, I don't need to know that you are a fan of that country guy that thinks that the Dixie Chicks are shit or what. I don't want to know that. Right, right, right. So then I was like, <laughs> I, my, my nephew, at the time was like six or seven. He was starting school, and I went online. I was like, I need to stop asking the nephew what he liked about school because he's like, whatever, I don't care. So I was like, how do you talk to six-year-olds? Like, what do you say to a six-year-old? And I found this great website that's like asking these questions. And one of the questions was, do you think your teacher would survive the zombie apocalypse? And oh, that was a, a two-hour conversation. Seriously? With him just, well, what? Because then you go no, from wait, there. But we can't talk about the Z word. Right. We can't say Zs. And you don't like to talk about it. So. I, I don't really like to talk. I mean, we can talk about them. I just, if I'm we gonna... talk... Far away from about them. Okay. So here's the thing. I have a thing about yeah. them. So th you may not know this. I have a real thing about them. Yeah. It goes back to when I was very, very young. Yeah. Um, where I saw, I don't even know what the first sort of movie about that was, but it was a black man who was trying to Dawn survive. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. God. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead. Please don't say the name again. That shit haunts me. Okay. To this day. And so I can literally, like I will probably have dreams is, tonight. But this so is please why. please talk about it. This is why. This is a good example. So, okay, right? okay, 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 right. So, you know, I asked this of the kid, and then you're like, well, what about your best friend? And who's your best friend? Like, it just grew. Yeah, yeah. So I asked my students, do they think they would survive the zombie apocalypse? The indigenous students, the students of color, and most of the black, you know, I had like two black students, said yes. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. They said yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. White students are like, so one white woman was like, young woman was like, I don't want to leave my cat. Your and what? Her cat. And <laughs> I said, fucking cat? And I said, your cat doesn't give a shit about you. <laughs> your cat's going to run out the door and do whatever the fuck and then come back and eat your dead body. Your cat doesn't care about you. Oh, right. wow. Oh, right? Sure. <laughs> right? It was yeah. just like a I ridiculous mean. statement. And, then, and the other one was like, no, I just want to be with my friend. So I would just let myself be a zombie. I was like, wow. And so I asked this question and I don't think I was fully prepared yeah. for the racial... Um, rupture well mostly white people were like eh, whatever one white woman like is that a lack of hope or one, just ambivalence one white woman was like I'm gonna get a submarine and go to the submarine because zombies can't go into water I was like ooh you've been thinking about a thing <laughs> um, but black people and indigenous people and people of color are like yeah you know and then I came back to the story of zombies when I was talking about colonialism when we got to the lectures on colonialism. So we get to the lectures and students are like, yeah, whatever, colonialism, colonialism. I was like, let me tell you something. Indigenous people and black people have been living the colonial reality, zombie reality, zombie apocalypse from the beginning of genocide, from the beginning of colonialism. We have been living the zombie apocalypse. 
So you're all thinking about this theoretically. We have been surviving the zombie apocalypse. And I used it as an analogy to describe colonialism and the afterlife of slavery. And do people get it? The, the indigenous people and black people are like, damn right. We live in the They're like, oh, yeah. Right, and then the white people are like, but who's the zombie in that narrative? They really couldn't figure that out? I was, well, you know, I'm a teacher in the moment, so I had to be like, you know, white supremacy. That's fucking fascinating. Mm-hmm. I don't know, that might shift my whole Z-word thing. Like, that, that might shift my Z-word thing, or it might make it worse, where every time <laughs> I go out my house... Like every time I go out into the world, I'll be looking around going like, are you ready to eat my, but here's the thing. They're already eating my, I mean, we're, I mean, it's true. That Mm -hmm. is, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, like, it's not really like, oh my goodness, it's going to get transferred into my real world now that I've heard it. It's like, no, it's actually true. Like when I think about the amount of extraction that has happened out of my brain in the last, like whatever, 20 years or whatever, I think about all the community work that Mm -hmm. I've done, the work I've done, um, uh, for my employer. Yeah. Um, it's really been about extraction with very little back. I want to I say very little back to me, although mm-hmm. I think in many ways I'm rich and I don't, I'm not rich in money. I'm mm-hmm. not rich in power. Like I'm rich mm-hmm. in people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it does come back to me in that way, but like monetarily, which is the thing that will actually put food in my belly. Mm-hmm. I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, there is, it's like, I make I joke sometimes about you're one of the people that I just want to stick a straw in your ear and like <laughs> suck your brains out because they're so delicious. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that happens mm-hmm. to me a lot, and it really it really is zombieism, isn't it? And zombieism really is about creating others to be zombies as well. So if you're looking about the residential school system, it was about killing the Indian and the child. How is that non-zombieism? Right, if we think about model minorities and people who really crave being white adjacent, how is that not zombieism? Right. So these, pro- so I would, when I was in Sudbury, I started watching all of the zombie movies I could. We're, Seriously. W- World WWZ or whatever World War Z mm-hmm. with Brad Pitt. That was on a cost. That was on a constant loop. It's a fantastic movie, what? actually. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, they do yeah. it really, really well. Because it really makes you think. Because the thing about the movie at the beginning, normal morning, going into work, and like that, shifted. They're like, shit, we're in the zombie apocalypse. Right? And so for me... <laughs> I'm sorry that this is going to this be... Is, this is a so much for me. I remember saying to Gwen, where are we going to go when, the fall, when it falls? Now remember... In Jewel Gomez Gilda stories, mm-hmm. at the end, mm-hmm. they're deciding where to go because mm-hmm. it's about to fall, right? Octavia Butler, in uh, Parables of the Sower, they're practicing where they need to go and what they need to do because it's about to fall. Her dad doesn't come home. They pay the cops. He's gone. And then their community falls mm-hmm. and they need to leave. And this in the first 10 minutes, maybe, of World War Z, it falls. So how do you then make a decision in that moment? That is genocide. That is slavery. Because you're going out and you're picking berries and you're playing with your kid or you're doing whatever. And the next thing you know, you've been abducted and you've, la- and you've been stripped away from your family. You've been assaulted. You've been whatever. And it falls. So I would say to, Nath- I would say to Gwen, what do we do? Who do we meet? Where do we meet? Right? And I remember talking to my brother about it and I was obsessed over it. 
And my brother and I watched similar movies. And I was like, so what do we do? And my brother's really smart. He goes, can't go to city. City swell first, so he can't go to Toronto. No. This is done. And I was like, okay, where do we go? We, like, we go to Stratford. Because there's not a large population there. It's mm, farmland. Mm, mm. And I was like, okay, what's our tag? So we came with a tag that we would tag, uh, that we would use to convey to others where we were going and how we were moving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had it down. Preparing for the fall. Because I really felt on the brink when I was in Subway. I felt on the brink. You know, it's interesting that you talk about that, um, that sort of organizing for the fall. Because I've said probably for 10 years now, I've been saying to my chosen, my, cl- my chosen family and others, I'm yeah. like, we need to work this shit out. Yeah. Like, and, 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 and I wanted for <clears throat> that long to put together some kind of an event where I could bring queers, other deers, mm-hmm. chosen family to the table. And we could just, like, I, my vision is we, we, we put down a giant paper map mm-hmm. and we map out where everybody lives, mm-hmm. where everybody works what the city's plan is in terms of like supplies, da, 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 da. We map out people's life routes. So mm-hmm. I usually go to work this way or I go work that way. And then out of that, out of that base information that we work out, where are the places that we meet? Mm-hmm. So if the thing goes down in downtown, you know, what I do is I get from downtown, my first stop on the way home or on the way towards the meeting spot by my mm-hmm. house is this person because they got kids and a dog, yeah. this person over here. And yeah. so that there's a way to sort of collect people as you go yeah. along a route. Mm-hmm. And then my vision is that there are there are way stations where, where um, messages can be left so yeah. people who come late or whatever can find out where people are. And we can meet up. And we can meet yeah. up and then we travel, right? Yeah. And then there's like, I've had conversations with friends here in town where it's like, okay, I live across from a park. It's on high ground. This area is like, there's some people I know who know, have a better sense of like the tech, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, what do I want to say? The ground of Vancouver, like where it's rocky uh, and stuff. Mm-hmm. The t- the, mm, t- isn't it typography? Typography is more the visual, the oh. way it visually works up. Anyway, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you know the word we want? No. Anyway, so we know what we're talking about. But, like, I live up here on rock. It's mm-hmm. higher. It's not at ocean level. This part, like, you know, we're like, False Creek is going to dissolve because it's all on reclaimed land. So that's yeah. going to, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And um, it's interesting that you bring this up because I literally, this past weekend, um, wrote in my my planner, because I've been wanting to do this for so long. And I'm like, I think what I need to do is actually outsource this idea. And so what I plan to do is to call the city and say, okay, give me a person. Mm-hmm. And I need someone from your emergency response or whatever to come in and facilitate something with me, my queers and other mm-hmm. dears and mm-hmm. tell us, like help us mm-hmm. create a plan. Yeah. Who like I? I literally was thinking about this days ago. With my brother, I was like, we have to get bikes because you can, we have to get bikes and we need to attach trailers to the bikes. And then we need to get... And I was like, and you need to bring Auntie. Because Auntie knows how to start fire in the rain. And she knows how to, you know, do all, you know, kill animals and do all these yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, So we can eat. Auntie can recognize what herbs or whatever, so it's seasoned. This is why yeah. I'm sad I don't live back home. Like, at the end of the day, if any, if all hell breaks loose, my end goal of location, like, there's the piece for me where I'm like, okay, grab everyone that I'm around, and then, like, where do we go from there? Which I feel like out of BC is kind of odd, so what I would actually probably do would be to say, like, aim north, because 
it's colder. I, don't, I mean, I don't know how whatever the apocalypse is will evolve and mm-hmm. look like, but I'm like this for the same reasons why I would why my like dream destination to go would be Flin Flon mm-hmm. is because the far north the farther north we go the more well not necessarily but as you go north people start to actually know and have or larger larger scopes of people tend to have more um, relation with the land and mm-hmm. like how to survive farther away from a major resources like we do in cities yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what Flin Flon does to a function too. Like our nearest city is five hours away. Yeah. There's a few small towns within that, but it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone there, like I don't like everyone there already consumes like wild meat and fish mm-hmm. throughout the year. The soil isn't great, but like there's already people who are like doing their own like gardening situations. So I feel like that shit can be fine. Enough people also grow weed in their homes. And so it's like, you know yeah. what? We already have a good growing infrastructure <laughs> set up. And we live oh, yeah. in northern Manitoba. So we're used to like the lights going, oh, like whatever. Yeah. Um, You know, people hunt. People know how to skin a deer. Like all of these things. So. You know, it was, I was really focused on it. And then we got to Halifax and I was like, oh, we're kind of living in the where we can be. When the zombie apocalypse happens. <coughs> Excuse me. Because you don't need to travel so far, like in Toronto, to get out of the city limits. Yeah. You can travel less distance. Yeah. And be out of the city limits quicker. Yeah. You can still have access to fresh water. Mm-hmm. You still have all of these things. Yeah. But I say this, even though the zombie apocalypse has already happened and continues to come in waves. So, how do we... As black people or yeah. as people? Uh, how do we... <laughs> well, I just want to know what the we is. How do we survive? How do we continue to survive and thrive if we want to thrive? Or how do we continue to think of more livable futures? How do we do that? That's why I say all of these things about acknowledgements. That's why I want us to think differently about our current situation. That's why I want us to start being, this is where artists are so important. I want us to be able to imagine what we currently cannot imagine or what we currently Mm -hmm. cannot articulate. So how do we do that? One of the things, sorry, why am I apologizing for eating? No, eat. Literally, I just don't want to actually show you what's in my mouth. Um, I was really interested the other day you were talking about, um, how black people are not settlers and Mm -hmm. how black people cannot be allies or aren't Mm -hmm. allies or I I, I I need to hear more about it because I I feel like I didn't. Yeah. The settler piece I understand. Do you? Uh, yeah. My friend, uh, well, local community member, Jay Simpson, who is this amazing, um, two spirit indigenous uh, trans woman and is I love Jason poet so artist all of these things yeah. um, recently made a post with everything going on in uh, here in Vancouver and in Victoria but also like across Canada and everything in terms of solidarity actions with the Wet'suwet'en mm-hmm. people and um, w- made a post being like I really need settlers to start showing up because y'all need to show up better and then at the end just gave like a little footnote being like also um, black people and refugees don't count as settlers and then just moved on with like a cute selfie or whatever the heck mm-hmm. came next or whatever um, so I get that piece where I was confused was the ally part mm-hmm. I'm, I, I, I want to hear a bit more about 
both because yeah. I have really, really like I I'm in on this. I'm in for the um, the agency mm-hmm. of indigenous people. Like I'm here for it. I'm totally 100% here for it. And I feel deep, deep, deep discomfort mm-hmm. with an expectation that I learn the lands that I'm on, that I learn how to say hello and goodbye in different word in different languages, that I think, like, hear, understand, repeatedly hear mm-hmm. and understand music, uh, story, myth, spirituality out of indigenous people. And there's a piece of me that, that feels like Jesus Christ. I don't know where I'm from. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, I know I, my parents are both born and generations, mm-hmm. Guyana, South America, Wapinashu people are in our blood. Great. I also know that we were heavily slaved, right? Yeah. I don't know where we came from. And it's, and I have a lot of feelings about it. Yeah. Um, so while I mean yeah. completely committed yeah. and in solidarity and would, Give my doll, you know, my dollars, my time, my energy, mm-hmm. my effort, put my body on the line. I feel really lost and abandoned as a black yeah. person when it comes to that sense of what it is that we're fighting for. I agree. Yeah. So can you can you speak? So a this little is about where this? when we first started speaking about settler colonialism. Yeah. It was about you know Spanish Europeans who are Spanish showing up in uh, on Turtle Island, throughout the Caribbean on Turtle Island, and claiming the land for themselves. Mm-hmm. And not only clearing it of trees, but clearing it of people. Yeah. And bringing in other enslaved people, kidnapped people, to work the land through t- terror and torture. Right? Yeah. That wasn't black people who were doing that. So if we think about the ways in which slavery um, so colonialism in North America would not have occurred as it has mm-hmm. if there if there wasn't slavery. Correct. So how are we speaking about? How are we saying claiming we're engaged in a decolonial project if we're not also talking about the continuing effects of slavery, which is what Sadia Hartman talks about as the afterlife of slavery. To, in Canada, because black people are always a surprise, (laughs) there is a belief that black people really only ever came in the 60s to, to, you know, take the jobs of, you know, white people that were here and didn't want them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in Canada, because that was when the Trudeau government opened up their borders. I asked my parents when I was in the late 90s, when I was planning to move to Vancouver, I asked both my parents separately, like, why did you come here? And what mm-hmm. they told me, they were like, we came because the Trudeau government opened the doors. Yeah. And the Trudeau government, when they came, the Trudeau government sent them to Alberta. Yeah. Yeah, my parents and talked that's a, about that's it. a late 60s. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so <clears throat> what happens that, so before that, um, when black people were encountered, they were like, oh, you're from Nova Scotia or, or you're from Southern Ontario. Like Dresden, Buxton, Chatham, right? In and around there. Because there were historical black communities from like slavery to now, to the 60s. But with the 60s showing up, it became... Is that Parker at my my door? I didn't even know he was there. 
I just heard a knock and I started to... What has Parker brought? Parker's brought... Have you brought fried chicken? You're fucking hilarious. Are you coming in? You stepping in? Is that Mary Brown's? What it's, is it? Uh, it says Fritu. Yeah, I'll have some. Oh, it's good. You want some fried chicken? Yeah, wait. Yeah. Can we put it like right here? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Hi, Parker. Are you stepping and in can for, I pass you. for a moment? I'm gonna can actually pass you. I'm gonna actually for that yeah, side. Yeah, feel free to step in. Just randomly that side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank this you. is great. Doctor driving was amazing this afternoon. Dropping much knowledge. Was it okay? It was awesome. You were at you were at UBC talking to the Black Student Caucus. No, Black Caucus. The Black, black Caucus. caucus. Mm-hmm. Faculty, staff mostly. Faculty and staff mostly. Mm-hmm. Okay. But and you were and you were there, Parker. Uh, for most of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Auntie, sorry, could you pass me my ball? Oh, you want me to pass the ball? No, it's okay. I had a Oops. moment. I originally asked Omi Shere to have a seat, Parker. Do you want a bowl? Do you want some food? Me, oh, we have like we we got some Szechuan chicken. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Do you want some food? Um, you could always just say yes. Oh, okay. I, I will always just say yes. You can always just say yes, or you know, you don't have to do the thing where you're like, oh well, I don't know. I don't want to interrupt you and your food. You're in my house. You know, you can always have. I do appreciate. It. That's how that shit works. Okay, I will. Uh, you know, help yourself. We're still recording. Video. We're just still recording. I will be quiet. No, so, you can talk. No, just... you can talk. Omishere is just talking right now about um, the East Coast and about the way that. Um, there are historical black settlements over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the sort of overarching question that I was asking was about um, wanting um, Dr. D- Dr. Dryden huh. to unpack a little bit for me the, the discomfort I have around, well, the, the unpack the idea of black people as settlers and as allies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's so that's the speech. about that today, too. Yeah, okay, so anyway, go, go. Mm-hmm. So... Language is really defeating us. It's challenging us because we don't necessarily have the English or French words we need to describe the practices that are happening mm-hmm. or the experiences that black people have, have had. Mm-hmm. So just now you spoke about you know, early black settlements in Nova Scotia. And people talk about, translate those settlements as practice of settler colonialism because of the root words of settle and to settle. Right, mm. right. So I don't call them settlements anymore. What do you call them? Communities. Because that's what they were. Okay. And that's what they are. They're communities. Okay. Um, and they were local communities. So to claim that black people are settlers is so profoundly anti-black because what it does is it works in a colonial model, a Canadian colonial model, of denying that Canada had slavery. To claim black people as settlers means to erase the long, complicated history Mm -hmm. between black and indigenous people, where some indigenous communities enslaved black people, and other indigenous communities worked to help black people and themselves in their own liberation. It works to it works in tandem alongside the increase of black newcomers to Canada in the 60s where the narrative just became well you've just reached you don't actually have a history to the space or um, or the space this place and place isn't in your DNA okay but like my parents come here so what I have said 
And I remember the very first time I had this sort of thought, Parker and I were standing on the, on the steps of the art gallery. And I don't even remember what it was that we were, what the rally was. I don't really remember. Um, uh, but it was, had something to do, like, I don't, I don't remember what it was anyway. And I remember turning to Parker and saying, you know, I think it was, you know, the land acknowledgement was happening, blah, blah, blah. And I looked, I remember looking at Parker and going, we are stolen people on stolen land. Yeah. And that was like the first time I ever, now I'm mm. not, like I'm going to assume that many other people, probably some academic has claimed this as their idea. But I remember mm -hmm. having that idea really clearly standing beside Parker. And then I remember Parker spoke and Parker was like, blah, 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 blah. And then repeated my words. Mm -hmm. And, and it, like, I believe that. Like, yeah. I, and yet... My parents chose to come yeah. to Canada from the Caribbean, yeah. and I'm like, okay, so in that case, are they not no. a form of settler because they're not. they're they're not? And we need to really qualify and understand what this choice is, right? Choice is often made if it's a free choice, then it's made if we're equally positioned, okay? But we have not done enough. Um, excavation of the remaining of the continuing effects of the transatlantic slave trade if we are currently believing that black people in the Caribbean and South America are freely moving when these are these communities these nations were set up through slave through enslavement it's one of the reasons. I see what you mean because when we talk about settler settler colonialism in this place and you know and I think about the way indigenous people have spoken about the land in various acknowledgments mm -hmm. it it goes back not hundreds of years but thousands of yeah. years is the is the anchor point the mm -hmm. anchor point is always looking before colonialism yeah and so I guess it never, oh, wow, okay, so I've never really thought about this before, which means that in this moment, when looking at whether or not black people are settlers, we have the right to also, if other, if indigenous people have the right to go back thousands of years and to anchor the narrative of their story there, yeah. then we also do. So my, you know. Which means that we go, which means that we acknowledge that we existed before slavery, because it seems like we, you know, yeah. in, in the popular idea, we don't, we never existed before slavery. We didn't choose to be enslaved, contrary to, contrary to what Kanye has said. Look. And we didn't, and so any other decision we make, I would argue. It's okay. Are you not, okay, Parker? It's not Sorry. necessarily yeah. a free choice. It's not necessarily a free choice. So... Okay, so when I moved from Edmonton mm -hmm. to Vancouver, mm -hmm. that is me settling in Vancouver because mm -hmm. I make the choice to come to Vancouver. But this is where I'm not escaping. I'm not. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I'm moving towards. I moved towards something that I felt that I wanted slash needed, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's what move, all migrants. We move across the country. I just moved to Chibuktuk. I moved to Halifax. Moved to Nova Scotia. Yeah. I'm not a settler in Antibuktuk. I'm not a settler in Halifax. I'm not a settler in this country. As much as I'm not a settler in these places. As the black person, the black identity, the black, it's, it's hard to talk about as an identity. It's a theoretical sense. Um, 
the subjectivity of the black, right? This, the, that was created through the transatlantic slave trade, through that moment on the ocean where we went from being indigenous African people, Igbo, Yoruba, Akan, and became the black on the ship that could be then enslaved, right? Mm -hmm. From that moment, our, we, we, because that is the moment that kind of launched our trajectory through South America, through the Caribbean, and through uh, across Turtle Island, none of, the, none of the fallout of those trajectories, right, of that trajectory, um, suddenly then becomes settlement. Suddenly then becomes, we are, we are now part of the, we are now, we now have the power behind us of the Spanish royalty or the British royalty. And what we are doing here is, um, is settling on behalf of the queen or the king or whatever. We do not have that power. We do not, we do not come from that power because we are still the black, the abject, right? That doesn't have any rights, not to be here, not to claim identity, not to claim indigeneity. We don't have all of the, any of those things because we are just the black. It's true. I mean, I think about the, the things that African black people have said to mm -hmm. me and how they, I mean, much as you've just said now, you want, you know, you leave the continent in, in the water is when people became yep. black. Mm. People left the continent on airplanes and, and they, land and, and in the black. air. Yes. And, they be, and in and the air they become black. is part of the afterlife of slavery. Oh. And so enslavement, right, is a region, is a Caribbean, South American and North American thing. It is. It's what that thing is. The fact that and this is, this is what I'm arguing. The fact that people, including indigenous people, will claim, will continue to perpetuate that Canada did not have slavery Ugh. or that Canada or the slavery that was in Canada is not important enough to study, right? Or not important enough to, to pay attention to or not important enough to account for, right? That in and of itself is a particularly Canadian form of anti-black racism. Anti-black racism in Canada is about the denial that there were black people here before the 60s. Anti-black racism in Canada is about the denial that there was any such thing as slavery in Canada. And so if we're not prepared to have that conversation, if indigenous people aren't prepared to have the conversation, if people of color, BIPOC people aren't prepared to have the conversation, if other people aren't prepared to have that conversation, then how are we actually doing decolonial? and anti-colonial work. So there's a whole... So what do you see as the, the role of black people in decolonization? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you see... Yeah, what do you see as the role? Or our responsibility, perhaps? Or, yeah. or perhaps it's a reasonable response? I'm not... Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a cluster of questions yeah, around yeah, that. No, absolutely. Um, so Sadia Hartman speaks about, you know, uh, to, lose, to Lose My Mother, I think is the text. I just can't... Look, people can Google Lose it. Mother, It'll be fine. Yeah, Sadia Hartman, uh, when she really maps out the afterlife of slavery, she talks about the increased incarceration of black people. Mm -hmm. She talks about the lack of education and mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. She talks about the way that our children are still abducted out of our families by the, the state called Children's Services. Mm -hmm. She talks about all of these things. Part of the difficulty of the conversation, so Black Lives Matter when they were in Toronto, 
um, in 2016. People were like, y'all doing these things with police, but you should be focusing on black on black crime. So there was a belief or this understanding that the reason why black people are overrepresented in, in prisons is because, um, because we haven't fully developed as humans, because we are just in our DNA, um, violent and not good citizens, right? All of that comes out of, all of that is born of enslavement. All of that is born of enslavement. So while, so decolonial work, anti-colonial work. You make a distinction between decolonial and anti-colonial. Yeah, I make the distinction because there are a lot of universities. And I'm sorry I, if you feel like you're teaching. Oh, no, no. That's not Is this what, okay? Oh, yes. Okay, great. There are a lot of universities and institutions that are specifically universities that talk about decolonizing the curriculum. Right. Um, but then it becomes another one of those like really perfunctory EDI, equity, diversity, inclusion um, exercises. Right. Which is, again, a commitment to making sure that the institution survives with doing the least amount possible to make sure that other people feel reflected in the institution. Yeah, it's all risk management born of the current cultural time. That's decolonial work. And it didn't used to be what decolonial work is, but it is now decolonial work. Anti-colonial work, I think, is more about the dismantling of those structures and building something anew that centers black and indigenous people centers so um the sexuality studies association started it was a new uh, it was a reconfiguration of an older association it's an academic association in canada here yeah started mm -hmm. let's say 10 years ago i don't okay. remember sure or less than that sure no oh, yeah maybe 10 years ago so they had their first conference and you know, I read, I remember reading the thing and I was like, I'm not going to this conference. This is bullshit. Ooh. And then after the first conference, they were like, oh, we're going to have like an indigenous caucus and a black caucus and a thin caucus and a that caucus. And I was like, the reason why you're doing that is because there was like not, you know, you had, you just had a conference with all white people. <laughs> like you did this call, you sent it out and then you were like, oh, why are there no people of color here? Or why is there only one person of color here? And so the way that you decided to shift that was by saying, oh, look, we're going to have these other caucuses and then we're going to, you know, with the black caucus or whatever, and that's how we're going to show we're being inclusive. And it's still a white model. It still absolutely is a colonial model, right? If we were thinking about an anti-colonial model, we would even be like, Silence. do we even want an association? Do we want to do that? But let's, for the moment, say that we wanted a, a sexuality studies association. Let's just say for the moment. Sure. As an anti-colonial model, that's what we want. Do you want some lotion, Parker? No. Okay, great. We would then start with, oh, ow, black and indigenous people and be like, how do we want this conference to go if we want it to be a conference? Or how do we want this academic association to go if we want it to be that? And then what are, how are we centering that conversation? So it's like when you go to, um, excuse me, you look at a sexuality studies course and in the very last couple of weeks, you talk about, you know, black queers. <laughs> you know, the little add-ons and we saw that in, if we, in women's studies right you did like you know you did you got to week 10 and a half and then you're like <laughs> oh here's some i forgot you know about this. yeah black people again i'm using these really kind of limited you know linear models but if we 
wanted to start it centering black and indigenous people um, in talking about sexuality, for example, then we would start with the Mar Marsha P. Johnsons and the Sylvia Rivera's. We would start with the Bayard Rustins and the James Baldwin's. Like we would start with those voices and then say, what do we know about sexuality through these voices? Because it's not that white people didn't do that. They did look at those voices and then like totally erased all of the work that talked about um, anti-blackness and talked about, you know, the, the problems of white supremacy. But they took all of that out and they said, mm. oh, look, this is the canon of sexuality studies because mm. we're only ever going to look at this one site of sexuality, this just gay subject. Mm -hmm. But that's not how anti-colonial work works. And we're doing anti-colonial work. There just can't be a single story. There can't be a single story of colonialism because mm -hmm. there isn't and never was a single story of colonialism. Mm -hmm. Colonialism in Canada and the United States, throughout the Caribbean, throughout South America, started with the enslavement of black people in attempts to kill them and the uh, attempted genocide of local indigenous populations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And black people um, brought with us our indigeneity and then engaged that in, and then married that indigeneity, if you will, to local indigenous communities. Mm -hmm. And so we have many sites and roots and routes of indigeneity in mm -hmm. our lives. Mm -hmm. But when indigenous people look to us and be like, you stole my land, I really want to be like, yo, bitch, I didn't steal nothing. What the fuck was I supposed to steal it with? I needed a pass just to walk down the street. Yeah. And so that, that practice of slavery, whether it was in Turtle Island, on Turtle Island, whether it was in the now borders of Canada mm -hmm. or in Jamaica or Trinidad mm -hmm. or Guyana, mm -hmm. that slave experience mm -hmm. also informs um, our, our presence in this land. Right. And so it's, you know, I read something online the other day when the, some um, people, uh, indigenous folks online were talking about Desmond Cole's book and they were like, you know, he has a lot of indigenous content in his book, The Skin We're In. And I was like, oh, this idea that somehow it's indigenous content and not actually part of a larger colonial content. Okay. But then somebody, and that's fine. Then somebody, another, uh, another indigenous person replied saying, yes, he's a good ally to us. And so... I was really annoyed by that. And, you know, Mercury is retrograde, so I'm really trying to stay off of Twitter. <laughs> Fair. I know I'm just, like, you know, putting myself on the record on the mic during Mercury retrograde, but, you know, I'll stand by it. Look. Call, you know, bring it to me. I'll stand by it. Yeah. Um, and I was annoyed and, and really, I was pissed. I was pissed. Like, truth, truth be told, I was fucking pissed. And I was like, ally. You mean like Becky in the corner who's like, you stop being mean to them. They didn't deserve this. Like that kind of ally. Because all of the work that um, Black Panther spoke about, Fanon spoke about, Black Lives Matter spoke about, has been our liberation is bound up with yours. Yeah. Our liberation is contingent and dependent on the other. And if that is the case, that doesn't mean that we're allies. And this is what was really important to me when I was coming up as a young feminist. And I was like, um, you know, if you're getting screwed over here, yep. then that means it's also costing me. Yes. Right? 
And so if I truly want to live a full liberatory life, then I have to make sure that none of us are being screwed over yep. there. Yep. That is not the work of an ally. Those are co-conspirators. Those, Those are, are co right? Yes. And that's why I really detest this language around ally. And I find it suspicious. So if you're calling me an ally, thank you for the information. But if we're not, like, and I won't call you an ally. If I am, I'm being shady because it means that I don't fully trust you to look for all of our best interests. I, what, I think when people use the word uh, ally or they talk about it with other people, it's really like this, um, uh, this you know, zero-sum theory where it's like if you get some, that means I can't get some and there's only a limited, a limited amount to get, right? So if you get something, that means I can't get it. Yeah. As opposed to if you get something, that means we've gotten it. We've got it. I mean, that's right? how I function. I'm like... It's why I like, if there's one potato, we both eat. We it's both not eat. that there's not one it. potato My, and only that's I That's how eat. I came up. And it really is one of the ways that we survive, right? It's one of the ways that we survive. You know, so I know people in my family, if they had $2, that meant I had a dollar. Yeah. It didn't mean they had $2. Yeah. It meant that I had a dollar. Right? Right? I mean, like I, say that, I say this sometimes to people where I'm like, you know, oh, blah, 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 let me, you know, you can have some of this or you can have some of that. And people look at me and they're like, oh, no, no, Kona. You and I'm just like, look, if we're traveling down the road, it is to the benefit of us both surviving if I take half my food and share it with you. Mm -hmm. Because then there are two people who can fight off the wolves, two people who can forage for food, two people who can cut wood, not one person with energy. Wait, was that line, was the Lizzo line, if I'm going to shine, we're all going to shine? Oh. Right, is that, is that, what is, is that juice? Uh, or something like that? Or is it, um... I love, I love that you're actually, yeah. like, moving your body well, I need like to, it's in your head. Uh... You know the song I mean. I just heard it on if the I'm way. If I'm shining, everybody's gonna, gonna shine. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck is it yeah, in that song? Yeah. 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 And, 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 and it's true. Yeah. And so... Well, this is why I say that we... I was actually saying to Morgan today, um, uh, there's a friend of ours that, that I want to have a conversation with. Mm -hmm. I said, because this person doesn't hasn't been acknowledging the roots of some of their work mm -hmm. they've been speaking as if it's all them mm -hmm. all the time mm -hmm. and one of the things that has been which i've seen really clearly in folks from out east yourself desmond cole um cyrus ware rodney Deveres, mm -hmm. like there's a bunch of people out east with whom i see them always putting the names of other people in their mouths they're constantly saying my friend x like i was really you know it really struck me last night that you um reached looked into the audience and said where's that woman yeah. what's your name you that yeah. person i didn't remember your yeah, name yeah. and this was just like a person in the audience which you did not have to acknowledge because you hadn't seen them in 15 years your relationship was specific at the time and yet you acknowledge their humanity and presence and their contribution yeah. to your existence in that moment and i was like these folks out east that I know are putting other people's mouths, names in their mouths, yeah. not only as, you know, as a way of uplifting and daylighting, but also acknowledging who is complicit in their survival. Listen, there's, you know, I, I haven't, you know, I'm not in any way, shape or form know the way through, nor do I think I'm doing it perfectly. But the way I know that I can sleep at night without irritation <laughs> is if I am acknowledging all of the ways we're contributing to 
the labor into the work. And so I don't need to do it like, you know, my sister over here. And I don't need to do it like my sibling over there. I don't need to do it that way. Mm-hmm. I can do it this way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think the way that they're doing it necessarily takes from how I'm doing it. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Mm-hmm. Right? We have our egos. Um, you know, but when I, it never dawned on me when I started work as the chair and I had to start doing my talks, right? So I first did them on campus before I started getting invited elsewhere. And the first thing I did was go through the trajectory of the chair. And people were like, I've never heard it said that way. And I was stunned. I was like, no, everyone does this, right? <laughs> They're like, they just, I was like, people before me did this. Other people do this. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is not, this is not what happens i was like well i don't exist in the chair by myself i feel like the colonial model is to say i am here and i got here by myself and so i talk about me and how i arrived but not to ever be linking backwards see i get you know i'm I'm not gonna lie there's like a lot of ways that we are motivated motivated through the desire of success who's we we we, human beings yeah right is that through through the desire for success and there's lots of times where i get salty and i was like why can't I do that over there? Why can't I do that over there? Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. salty. But the thing that I'm really thinking about outside of a capitalist colonial model is that there is enough for us. There's enough. There's more than enough. Right? And so it's why I don't believe in borders. It's why I don't believe in like these scarcity models. I'm not saying that I don't get touched by them and don't get afraid of them, mm. but it's why I really try to, you know, I, I really work on living a life that really lifts up and highlights folks who are often told to be ashamed of what they do. Mm. Sex workers, folks who use drugs, mm-hmm. drug users, um, uh, just, all these folks that are not, you know, people who love sex, who are poly, mm-hmm. who are in mm-hmm. troubles, mm-hmm. who are just like, I just really want to spend my entire life being the biggest slut I could possibly be. I want to sleep with whatever the fuck, you know, consensually yeah, yeah. with pretty much everybody else who's consensually into yeah. wanting to fuck with me, you know, fuck me. And, you know, so we can have like all these things. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, and, you know, a lot of what I learned happened in the gay bars like some of what I understand about how I moved today happened in the gay bars in London Ontario when it was like drag queens you know telling me about my makeup or you know uh explaining you know seeing drag kings and toilet drag queens and toilets and being like oh we just all have the right to pee like we don't need to be yeah we don't need to present in a particular way or look in a particular way like you know and so um I think we really are bound by these assumptions of correct action and correct being and correct thought. And because, you know, they say we should do this or they say we should do whatever, right? I hear this from students, from Nathan. Well, they said, like, who the fuck is they? No, they said, right? And it's part, schooling is about training us to be good citizens, following what we think they want us to do. Liberation is being like, well, what do I want to do and what best works for me and my community? And that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. And so... I Can you just move back to Vancouver? <laughs> social reproduction, social transformation. Got a choice. <laughs> See, this is Parker. Social reproduction, social transformation. It's a cho- I'm just like, Parker, you and your dulcet tones. Okay. <laughs> like, out here. 
And, you know, being in... I need you to read a book and that, that I can just go just read. I know, just do that. Just, like, read the phone book to <laughs> just me do it, so just I can do go it. to sleep. You know, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm tripping over my own words and trying to think through, you know, articulate things that aren't fully thought through. Okay. But as I've said in you at UVic and here and other places, it's only in the conversation are we able yeah. Yeah. to determine what it is, what we know. Yeah. Right. And it's one of the, I actually did an online writing course and it was in that, this throwaway line about we write our way into knowing. And yeah. it just took the pressure off my shoulders, which means I can sit down and work on a document and have some ideas, but know at the end of it, like know that this is the process that will tell me what it is I need to know. Right. Mm. We write our way into knowing. We work our way into knowing, mm. right? So me talking out loud, because usually I'm just talking on paper. Yeah. Or I'm talking to Gwen. Right. Or I'm talking in the shower. Right. Right. I'm rarely actually in, and I'm reading lots about what other people are saying. Right. and Or I, I feel like I'm a student of, you know, Ronaldo Walcott. Right. Tiffany right, Lathabo right. King. So receptive. Like, right, right, like a student where I was like, what do you think of this? And then I wait because I want to hear what their thoughts are. Yeah. So thank you for asking me what my thoughts are because I haven't really been in that role where I'm like, this is what I think, this is what I think, this is what I think, this is what I think. And I'm very clear about what irritates me. And yeah. I'm working on how to articulate what the basis of that irritation is. Yeah. And ultimately what the basis of the irritation is, is activist people who are presenting themselves as authentic in particular ways who are um, whose work is deeply situated in anti-blackness you know this 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 that piece I mean that that oh I have so many things that are going through my head, many of which I'm just like, I don't even know how, that I could get them out of my head. I am a verbal processor, and I really, you know, when you say that, when you talk about talking your way to knowledge mm. is what I'm hearing, or mm -hmm. how I translate that, that is very much me. I don't know what I think about a lot of things until I have the conversation, and I find myself really starved for conversation mm -hmm. in some ways. Like, I love talking to Parker, because Parker, you know, Parker talks in a way that helps my brain yeah. think. Um, although sometimes I have the feeling that we have the same conversation over and over again, but I don't know that that's actually true. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts mm -hmm. you know, and think, being so yeah. clear that you're not in a teaching moment, but that you're in a thinking moment. I really am moment. trying to work it out because I want to... My role in the revolution is that of activist, uh, that of scholar and academic, right? That's my role in the revolution, as a scholar and academic. I say to my students all the time, and I firmly believe this myself, if we can think it differently, then we can do it differently. I Right? Right. But we, we have, have to before. actually take the we time. Have to, we have to think it differently. And we need to, and sometimes we need to try something to figure out what it is we need to think differently. And live our way into it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I, so, uh, yeah. I, don't, I didn't want to ask a question. Wait, can we have cake? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we can have cake. I didn't want to ask a question. Though. Speak up, Parker. Oh. I didn't want to ask a question. Yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> that um, I find myself challenged by <clears throat> with some indigenous friends. About what? Like with if some I indigenous. Can't hear you from here. With, with some indigenous friends who have one in particular who has said, "I understand that black people came here and were brought here mm -hmm. and find themselves here through many different means." 
and you're not from here. So my concern is that your path of arrival, my concern is that you're on the land. Mm. The fact that you just exist here as a body. No, no. Well, well, that the occupation of this land by people who are not indigenous. If you do that with the table, we'll pick up on. Sorry. The, no, it's yes, okay. the <laughs> occupation of the land by people who are not indigenous. <clears throat> they aren't necessarily. For some, they are not distinguishing between the refugee, the mm -hmm. formerly enslaved person, the, mm -hmm. this to that. The are you of this land? So even. You know, you hear indigenous folks say, I'm not of this particular piece of Canada. Right, you're not from, from this territory, this from other that territory. territory, yeah. I'm a guest on this territory. Yeah, I'm a guest here, yeah. you know. The thing that I... <clears throat> um, and, I and I understand people around the whole land base thing. What, what I am sometimes challenged by is... The UN has a declaration for indigenous peoples. Yes, yeah. it does. Which includes people on the African continent. Of course. What I have noticed here around people hearkening to notions of connecting with indigenous peoples in this context is that they will connect with New Zealand. Yes. They Woo! will connect with Australia. Yes, they but really not will. Africa. But not Africa. And so that is the state of anti-blackness. So, so, wait, we can't. We will cross talk. <laughs> talk to me. No, talk no, to me. No, so, what hap so what oh. happens is that the mic, when it's really loud or has sharp, it spikes in a way that makes it... Screech. Yes. Yeah. Hard to edit, but anyways, continue. Okay, so... But also... Golf clap. But also, all day long, New Zealand and Australian people are indigenous. And this has made me fucking mentally crazy. Well, well, well so, so the Samoan... Mm -hmm. So are the South Pacific Islanders, so are the Hawaiians, so are the this, so are the that. If and, you bring me plates, forks, and knives, I will cut. Do we need plates, forks, and knives, or do we need to actually just take this delicious cake and just take forks and dive in? No, I want, I want I a slice. Them. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you can tell I'm tired and I haven't been with Gwen because I'm getting petulant. No, no I want, no, I want, I want. So here's, so I actually... Um, uh, indigenous person from Turtle Island, Idaho. and this is not a bashing of indigenous people. I think what we're no, trying no, no, to do no, 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 no. is work out some of I'm our anxieties, some of, right? I'm trying yeah. to work or, out some of what I'm observing, yeah, and I'm trying to make sense of it in the larger global context, yeah, of why I could connect here, but I can't connect, yeah, here. thank you. Now, part of that I understand is that. Maybe it's because people have this notion they were colonized by the British. Yeah. Could be a, any number of things. I certainly get that. Um, but it's also the uh, lack of connection to... Well, not lack, but I think it's, it's a two-way thing. I think both on, on the part of the diaspora in terms of our connection oftentimes with each other and seeing ourselves no make the first cut as indigenous peoples um, and then also you know I, I, yeah because I, I can only imagine that when the UN because I've never been to one of these gatherings uh, the UN gathering of indigenous peoples includes 
both from the continent. Of course. Because we, they're having this conversation of truth and reconciliation because of South Africa, indigenous peoples yeah, there. Yeah, the South. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm going to leave so, it. So, you know, I remember hearing a Turtle Island person, indigenous person, say that, claim that all the indigenous people from the Caribbean were, there were no, that there were no other, no indigenous people left from the Caribbean. And what? I thought, sorry, sorry, what? Whoa. Yeah. That, that there know, are no indigenous people left in the Caribbean, that there were no, that they were completely e eradicated. And I was, I was so no, taken aback by that because I was like, I was like, people. you know, if do black want, people do want a different knife? No, black people didn't show up like the plague and totally wipe out indigenous people in the Caribbean. We populated, we, you know, created communities with them. We had yeah. sex, we like had children, we did these things, right? So if we believe that indigenous people still exist in Canada, and we do, then why would we believe that there are no indigenous people left in the Caribbean? Like, why would we believe that? Because we, we ha we, people aren't out here claiming to be Taino or Carib or, you know, is that why? Is that why we're saying this? Right? And so, and so this is, there, there seems to be, there seems to be a kind of, we are the only ones who survived. The black people? The ind indigenous people of Turtle Island. Oh, we are the like only in ones. The world? The yes, we are the only in the Americas. Uh -huh. And the only other people we can speak to are the ones in Australia and the ones in New Zealand. Mm. Because we are the only America. ones, yeah. we are the only ones that have survived. In my thinking, can you get another the land? Land? Yeah, I can have more. In the, in the Latin America folk. Right. And I mean, so, my, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's also important to recognize too that. Thank you. Thank you. Does anybody I mean, else want paper towel? I think I'm okay. You could um, I think a lot about this as I am currently no longer in school and like debate what that looks like and also still receive knowledge and the particular knowledge that I do and really uh, in a lot of ways that I can access that a lot of people can't for a wide variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions that I had for last night that didn't end up getting asked but was about two of them, I guess. One why in order for activism to have like clout and um, recognition ha like often gets linked through education or an educational lens or once um, this form of activism, language of activism, whatever, gets adopted by the institution, it then becomes valid. So there's that. And then also when we talk about education and activism and the way that intersects, we have to talk about like the classism, elitism and gatekeeping that happens with that for the same type of reason. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's also important too that like some people also don't have the resources, abilities, what have you for a wide range of reasons to have these conversations or engage in these conversations or be able to look beyond what their yeah. immediate exact context is. So, uh, yes, and there's, I want to thank you for using this word gatekeeping because it reminds me, oh, I'm making sound. It reminds <laughs> me sound. that in early like black activist moment movements, there was always a claim by predominantly black men that we couldn't talk about the um, black, we can talk about massage and wire, we can mm -hmm. talk about racialized homophobia, we couldn't talk about all of those things. Because we were the movement. We were watering down the clarity of the of the black movement, right? Those were some of the arguments. Is but that I, what's happening with this indigenous moment I think, as well? I think what's happened is there's a 
so when I when I was earlier doing, and you might you might have come across this as well, Parker, doing mm-hmm. workshops around, you know, I participate. You know, when I was working at York, participants would be like, "Just give me a list of what I can and cannot do. Just give me the list." Oh, right. And so, and my thing, even from that moment, I was like, "Well, no, we want you to be able to." be engaged emotionally, mentally, intellectually, mm-hmm. and the experiences that you're having with your coworker. And so they'd be like, that's too much work. <laughs> and so, and we see this in other things. Where it's like, well, my black friend said A, B, C, D, and E, and therefore that one black person apparently stands in for all black people. Yeah. And it's why we hear these things. We even heard it last night where it was like, we all need to come together and speak with one voice. Nobody mm-hmm. has that expectation. No, there's that expectation for anyone else, yeah. right? White people aren't expected to do that. Right? And Asian so, people aren't expected to do that. No. And so even indigenous people aren't expected to actually indigenous people in this in this moment are not either because the expectation is as a person residing in on the Canadian piece of yes. Turtle Island that people have an understanding that the nations are all different with different exactly. practices across exactly. Canada. Exactly. And so I do think though there is this sense of if we broaden, quote unquote, broaden as if it hasn't already occurred, the our you know the definition of indigenous to include black, black people, people or indigenous communities out of Africa or those things, then um, it's wa- it's too watered down. But our strength and our and the way forward is in the uh, complicated complicatedness of the realities, right? Black liberation works most effectively, like we saw in Black Lives Matter, if we start with black queers and black women and black trans folks and be like, okay, now how are we gonna do this work, right? Um, I don't know more was indigenous women, right? Poor and working class, right? How are we gonna do this work? It's always fucking Mm -hmm. women at the center of shit. So this is, so that's a different, that, that works differently. In terms of education, I think there's ways that the, institution likes to say oh look now we're going to talk about what's happening in the street as if these things aren't happening simultaneously mm-hmm. so france fanon was a doctor he was a psychiatrist but he was also writing about revolution and he was doing that both inside and outside the institution right they don't happen separately they were there were always scholars in activist movements right always right Always scholars, but in uh, in Alondra Nelson's book *Body and Soul*, she talks about the Black Panthers uh, health clinic and how Black Panthers, when they started, went to the text. They read Che Guevara's work. They read Franz Fanon's wow. work. They read Mao's work, right? And they said, "How are we going to do this activist mo- mo- work?" And they're like, "Well, let's go to the text yeah. and read the text, and then yeah. decide how we're going to do the work." So it was never just on the street or just in the classroom. Yeah. That's not how that works. Right. Right? Um, Black Skin White Mass used to be read in community meetings. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't a course added, it wasn't a text added to the syllabus. <laughs> it used to be read in community meetings. Mm-hmm. Right? And so Do you that's want more just, hot water? No, it's good. Oh. Wretched of the Earth. Yeah. I had to read that one out. Yeah. There were three texts. That were core for me you have I, to speak up. Three texts that were core for me when I was in university initially. In black studies, 
uh, black skin, white mass. Yeah. Um, how Europe underdeveloped Africa. Yeah. And uh, capitalism, slavery, as well as Wretched of the Earth. That <clears throat> was then expanded on with the work of uh, this bridge called My Back. Um, some of us are brave. Mm -hmm. This is all Barbara US, Smith. All U.S. stuff. Um, <clears throat> this bridge called My Back, and some of us are brave. Board. Saved my ass. Saved my ass. This bridge called My Back. You can. No one could talk to me. No one could tell me about myself. No one can do shit. I read that book, and I was like, "Y'all can fuck off." No one can talk shit to me. I love that book. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. And goodness. I had to read some of the work of uh, Sri Moraga, Moraga. Yeah. And Gloria Anzaldúa. Yeah. Because the only women's studies course that I took was about white women and white men thinking about white women. It's called political thinking about women. Ugh. Ew. And there were <laughs> two people in the class who were not white women. It was myself and that was Kathy. And I just, and there were two people who were not women, myself and this white dude. And uh, I don't know who he was. Um, and I, and I was like, "This is not." <laughs> yeah. This was, it was it was informative. Yeah. Um, but you know, it wasn't until I started um, getting some information from a friend of mine, Mother Jeanette Cole, hmm. and some other folks. Yeah. Anyway. You know, I think there's a way. And what look, my that's how shitty my Manny was that I just peeled off today. Anyway, I still have nine fingers. Okay. Um, I think there's a way in which... So talking about how... I think when we focus on the hurt we feel, what we're feeling with indigenous people, is also a hurt. Mm. Right? Like, I'm hurt and I'm pissed. And they go together. Like, I, I'm not... You know, I'm not just pissed. I'm also hurt. Like, the fuck? Why, why would you actually look us in the face and just erase so much of how we all come to this moment, how we've all come to this moment. And part of that is um, we, as black people, we are also impacted by colonialism, right? And so black people who, you know, come out of a colon the colonial region the col the colonized region of the mm -hmm. Caribbean, right? Because these are colonial colonial mm -hmm. countries, can absolutely come to Canada and be like, "Oh, I thought all the indigenous people were dead. Mm -hmm. All the Indians were dead, quote unquote." Um, because the colonial education is, we killed all the indigenous, we killed all the Indians, mm -hmm. quote unquote. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm sure when indigenous people run into black people, newly arrived in Canada, black people, yet you know, black people who come out of a slave economy, it's still the afterlife of slavery, mm -hmm. right? Slaves moved, were moved from Latin America to the Caribbean to North America back to, right? Like this this was all part of that triangle of movement. Mm -hmm. So the fact that we ended up in, say, Jamaica doesn't mean that we weren't in Upper Canada, mm -hmm. right? Like we, you know, we got moved, right? 
Um, and so, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure indigenous people are like, oh, you're just a settler. How dare you not know that, you know, there were still indigenous people as opposed to you too are working through the the um, impacts of colonialism that this that this colonial education is teaching you I don't exist. That is the heart of divide and rule, mm -hmm. right? And so I remember in my classes in Northern Ontario, you know, indigenous students in the class from close to the university, they were like, what do you mean there was slavery here? There was an early Jesus. black community in Sudbury in 18 something. Yes. In 18 something in Sudbury. I was like, how is it this? So don't stop with this idea that black people were never here. Stop with it. And Both then, Natasha right? Natasha Henry, Emancipation Day. Yes. Mm. So there's ways in which we, we as black people are still impacted by colonization mm -hmm. and, how, and how we engage with each other. And so there are lots of black folks that I'll be like, I ain't no indigenous. I'm this, I'm that, right? Um, but knowing and understanding our own indigeneity allows us to define ourselves for ourselves, right? Outside of these continued attempts of being respected within the colonial system. Yeah. So we, you know, I, I think as indigenous folks are, black folks are also implicated through colonialism. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean make us settlers. Yeah. We were used as instruments yeah. for colonization. Yes. To, to, to work the land. Yeah. To quote, settle the land, being yeah. invited up here by Governor Douglas. Yeah, to settle yeah. it, but then to, get the fuck out. But then, why do you think the RCMP we were around? The RCMP were like, here, I'm going to sell you back into slavery yeah. and pocket that money in my pocket, you know? And for my family. Alberta, Saskatchewan. Mm. We got enough of them Negroes. Mm. Yeah. Well, 1970, the KKK got their society membership mm -hmm. in Alberta. Yes. 1970, mm -hmm. the year I was fucking born. This is why I ask now. Yes. So what I hear a lot of in land acknowledgements, and I don't know if I heard this in Toronto, maybe I did, I'm just putting it out of my head, but I've heard a lot of it in Nova, in Nova Scotia, was, you know, we're all treaty people, which is why I'm just like... What does that mean, we are all treaty people? You know, well, what did you say? You're from what? Treaty what territory? Uh, treaty treaty two? 2. And you're from Treaty 6? Yeah. So that's the that's the negotiated terms of how the space will be used or not used, settled, yeah. like, right? And so it's so when they say we're all treaty people, it's like we're all bound by that treaty in this that area or that area. But if we're not, if you signed the treaty, yeah, while slavery was still in full a role. lot, right? Then what? How are we? How are we treaty people? I mean, also we were never treaties, considered. Also, treaties themselves are entirely colonial tools that, like, really, like are partially it were partially able to be signed air quote air quote due to like coercion and promise the, of falsity so the indian act talking back yeah to the indian act yeah so you know unceded territory is like okay you didn't sign a treaty about how the land stolen would be land. used or not lose or whatever so right stolen people on stolen, stolen land. occupied territory exactly but if you're going to claim that we're all treaty people then i need you to clearly articulate 
when the treaty was signed and how you accounted for enslaved Africans or newly freed African, like African descended people. I need you to account for that. And if you haven't, it's because in your imagination, black people weren't worth the time of day. And black people were not free. They were just no longer formally enslaved. Right. So I think, you know, there's no way my aunt who's, who's oh, I can't tell you how old she is. She'll... She, she has, she has earned some respect through her age. Yes. Yes, she has. No way she would, cons- she would say that she is indigenous or Tenyo or Arawak. I think in whispers, she might say, oh, auntie, tia, descendants. Mm-hmm. De-. Like she might mm-hmm. tell me that, but she will claim Jamaica. But I think in that claiming is claiming all of the histories of Jamaica, mm-hmm. which include Arawak, Tenyo, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. enslaved Africans, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I still remember, you know, indigenous folks kind of with wonder say, oh, they're indigenous too, just from Africa. Yeah. Right? Like from wonder as if they, they didn't, yeah. they hadn't known this. I, didn't I mean, that shit it. makes me, that, it makes me mental. Yeah. yeah. The way the black people get erased in these conversations, like there's, you know, there's never time for we. Yeah. There's never time. It's always a just wait one moment. These people first. This, like, I, I, I it makes me mental. What part of that? So the truth and reconciliation. Look, that shit should, makes me mental. Right? Should have also incorporated. Heavily. The, the afterlives of slavery. Yeah. Which they did not. No. So Because. Black people are only ever thought of as recent arrivals and not ever part of the national imagination within the only two categories of indigenous and non-indigenous. So when they say, you know, indigenous and non-indigenous, I was like, where are black people in there? Are are you including black people and indigenous? Because then I can get down with that. Um, And I I try to mirror that when I'm like black and non-black people um, as a, a passive way to be like, how does that sit? Mm-hmm. Because even though they might not realize that they're making those distinctions, when you say black or non-black, they will feel the attempted erasure in those those only two binary positions. And I think a simple similar thing happens in the use of the word anti-black. Yeah. In what way? Well, just the anti like. So I think I asked you this question today, Parker. I was like, what is like are is anti-blackness and racism the same? Yeah, because anti-blackness is speaking to a really particular kind of thing, whereas yeah. racism, yeah, is not. Yeah, so Okua Benjamin coined the term anti-black racism as a way to kind of. Do you pull, know when that was? Uh, oh no, uh, was that more recent or? Because I no, feel, uh, I feel, I feel like, I feel like anti-blackness really happened in. As, oh, it's been, it's been, no, it's been, no, 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 but in terms of the, po- I'm not talking about like in the when academy, the, but the like Lewis in the popular, mm-hmm. maybe the '90s. She was working on a report with Stephen Lewis in the 90s. So in the 90s, she coined the term anti-black racism. And it's, I, I, I think about it in the same way as we pull black people out of people of color. Yeah. Right? And so we're pulling out yeah. the unique experiences of anti-black racism and anti-blackness yeah. to make sure that we're also troubling and outing the continued um, uh, effects of slavery 
in this country mm-hmm. um, and and why it results in increased incarceration, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, increased mm-hmm. surveillance, increased whatever. And so, and so, yes, it's part of this larger tapestry of how racism happens, but it is uniquely it is specific, absolutely to specific anti black yeah. to black people through anti black racism. Yeah, you know when the Truth and Reconciliation Commission came to Vancouver, I was like, yes, and I started going. They had a huge um, series of events that happened at the PNE, PNE. Mm-hmm. and I went through the program. They addressed the Kamigata Maru. Mm-hmm. They addressed Chinese head tax. Mm-hmm. They even looked at Jewish people. Mm-hmm. They didn't see nothing but black. People. And there was no black people, and I got fucking mad. So I called the local group and I was like, where the fuck are your black people at? And they're like, oh, well, there's so much going on. And and I was like, what? And then I called Ottawa. Like I started calling out east going, why the fuck are you going across Canada talking about truth and reconciliation? It comes out of South Africa. And there are no black people anywhere. No thought. It comes out of South Africa. It comes out of South... No thought. Like literally comes out of... Ronaldo Walcott in Black Like Who says close to the beginning of the text writing about blackness is perpetual work. Yeah. It's work that you do again and again and again and again and again and again and again because it's always new for someone. Always new. Always new. Always new. Um, and it's part of why some of these conversations are, are frustrating, you know, like there, we continue, I continue to hear people say, oh, we need to come together. All is one no. black people. No. And then we can go and do other work. No. And my thing is we've already had this conversation. Mm. This conversation happened in the sixties. happened before that, but it happened. Happened, let's say, in the Harlem Renaissance. Mm. It happened when Josephine <laughs> Baker was in Paris and working with um, uh, French Africans mm-hmm. and working it's with, kind of you African know, movie. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. We've had the conversation where it's like, what do we want? <laughs> when do we want it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how are we going to deal with our, our, our divergence? How are we going to deal with Africans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Americans, Canadians, British? Like, how are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. Born here, recently arrived, here for wherever, right? We've done that. And we continue to, because I think there continues to be a belief that if we want, once we have that fulsome conversation, we won't ever need to have it again. But we, you know, but this is why I like working at a university, um, because the university is a river. Students are always the same age. Students at a university are always the same age. All first year students are always the same age, right? We're the stones, right? We're the ones, we're the, we're the things that last. And the water washes over us because students are always the same age. So this idea, and which means we repeat conversations and they take it with them. And then we try something new and we repeat a conversation and they take it with them. But now they're downriver or upriver. They're downriver. And we have the other, the next set coming in. We repeat the conversation and then they move on. Right? So this idea that somehow we're supposed to stop the flow of the river so we can bring everybody together and then we can all have that once and for all final conversation mm-hmm. put down on a on flip chart paper. We're going to do this first, then this, then this, then this, and then we'll go ahead and do those things. That's not how this works. So every time they're like, let's talk about the black woman thing later. Let's talk about the black queer thing later. Let's talk about whatever. I was like, you know, so the next black queer person is going to come up and then you're going to say, let's talk about that later. No, we're talking about it now. Now is the moment. 
We start from where we are, we do what we can, and we move forward. And not just now. You don't think there was already conversations about black and indigenous relations? Anime, mm-hmm. Ak- anime Aquash? Who's Mi'kma'ki? How did I not know that before? Right? He was in the American Indian Movement doing work with the Black Panthers. Doing... Mm-hmm. We've had the conversation. <clears throat> We've had the conversation, and we're having it again. The decolonial movement was global. Yes. It's happening. Yes. Vietnam. It's happening everywhere. So there are indigenous and black folks having this conversation that understand how our liberation is bound up with one another. And black indigenous folks. Yes. And black indigenous. I'm very, I'm really interested in black indigenous folks We just need to keep working with those communities and with each other because that will grow exponentially this way. Mm -hmm. And it'll be somebody's job to sit down with some, you know, elder, be it indigenous or black, to talk through why it is our liberation is bound up with one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be us, mm-hmm. but there are black and indigenous people, black indigenous people who are already doing this yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And already kind of really shaking people out of his bit. So the Black Canadian Studies Association, we wrote an open letter mm-hmm. in support of Wet'suwet'en. Oh, yeah. Wet'suwet'en. Yeah. And we're like, you know, and then we invited other associations to write letters and they did and then um other academics started writing letters and they did right and i was like this is so we but we are having this conversation amongst uh, indigenous folks who already understand the ways in which we're doing we we are we're doing the same work we're Mm. doing anti-colonial work right right and it wasn't an ally moment it was no it's it's a co-conspirator moment exactly it's interesting Whew. Still learning. It's like I, I don't know. So how long was that land acknowledgement part? An hour? I know. Well, I mean, it's, we're at an hour and a half right now. Ninety minutes. Still learning. Ninety minutes. We haven't talked about your work as the chair in Dalhousie. We haven't talked about all the health work you're doing around Black people and their blood. We haven't talked about queerness or any other major things that we haven't talked about. Like, there's so much. You're so fabulous. Well, I can come and, back. And I'm yeah. curious about your thoughts regarding... Uh, you have to speak up or you cannot What's speak. his name? Um, Book of Negroes. Wrote a paper um, about black black blood. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Dan Hill. Lawrence Hill. Lawrence, Lawrence Hill. Hill. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. wrote about blood. Mm-hmm. He wrote about it in the way I do not do my work. Yeah, and what I was going to ask you what, what you what, thought about that. Because he was like, that. black people, gay people. <laughs> Like you did this kind of, you know, this kind of really kind of silo thing. And that's not what I do. Yeah. Why don't you talk about what do you do? How's what you do different? I don't, I, I start with the most marginal of the marginal. And they say, how do all of these narratives of blood work to inform our identities and to explain our experiences? And so if it's a black experience, then it's a queer experience. If it's a queer experience, then it's a, a, excuse me, a feminist experience. But they don't exist outside, outside of each other. They happen simultaneously and intersectionally. And if we can't think of it in that way, then we are um, extending the harm and not actually breaking uh, and not disrupting the harm. Yeah. <laughs> Harm reduction. Yeah. Harm reduction. Oh my God, you two fist bumping. 
like people are talking about organizational change. I'm like, we can at least get to some harm reduction. You know, it's a thing. I don't. Oh, I, I don't. think I'm not sure people understood what I was trying to get at last night. I think if we had the black, the BBC Black Caucus before we had the panel, then it would have made more sense to people mm-hmm. because at the were there so at the caucus there were people that were there last night yes okay so at the ABC Black Caucus I was really just talking about the things that the you know that have been instituted in the university the things that have come into the into the university and lots of people are really happy with that oh look we have this 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 and they equate they equate those um, black acknowledgments as progress mm-hmm. because the institution has perfunctorily mm-hmm. acknowledged blackness in particular ways. But the talk that I was doing last night was really a caution, saying be very careful about laying all of your eggs in the basket of the institution. Mm-hmm. So that's the talk I was doing last night. That yes, we have equity, diversity, and inclusion offices. And yes, we have policies and procedures. And yes, we have these things. But what does it matter if we're still living in a system in a society that doesn't actually believe that racism exists, mm-hmm. what's it matter if we are never respectable enough to actually just be treated like an employee? What does it matter? You know, um, what does any of this matter? And so what I was attempting to say last night was don't be got by the system, mm-hmm. but let's think through the uh, some of the necessary pieces of activism, which is strategy. Mm-hmm. So how do you strategize with the system mm-hmm. to help minimize the harm that mm-hmm. you will experience mm-hmm. in the system? Period. End of story. And, and so, and that's what I was saying. You know, I when I meet med students, black med students, uh, never in any way, shape, or form am I telling them they're going to get through that program without being harmed. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. What I am saying is I will do my the best I can to make sure that the harm is limited or minimized. Mm-hmm. But you will not leave without harm. It's a colonial institution, right? We know why we're there. We live in a capitalist society. We're not independently wealthy. How are we yeah. going to pay rent? Yeah. And so, I, and so I think this is why not everyone was thrilled with what I was saying or even understood it because it wasn't necessarily look we have black people here and we have black people here and we have black people here and we have black people here they're looking for those cookies aren't they right it was saying yes we have black people here and we have them here within this racist structure and so in spite of the racist so how then do we continue to be in these racial structures in a way that doesn't doesn't necessarily take our lives. So that's that's what I was attempting to say. I mean, it's I kind think. of like when we were talking with Desmond Cole and we were talking about like um, black people who are like heads of police. Yeah. Where it's like just because there's a black police chief doesn't mean that the structure of police is going to, you know, become this happy go lucky bubble of joy. And yeah. it's and it's not fair of us to p- expect that of this black person in that position either. Yeah. Who's literally trying to survive. Which yeah. is kind of what it is. It's just a big it's a whole big game of survival. But some people drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And they're like, Woo, yeah, I'm going they no, this system's fine. Look, I'm here. 
If I can do US, it, you can do it. In no. the U.S. But yeah. that is also survival. You know, I think about the extent with my 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 previous employer or with a past employer, how heavily I had to gaslight myself just to get up in the morning, just to walk in the door and sit at my desk. I had to gaslight like. Thank you. I mean, I was under no assumptions that they were here I think for I me. I still want half a piece. I'm under no. I was under no. Oh no! Like half of that. I was under no illusion. I almost stopped. This lemon cake. You know how I got. You know how we got this cake. Thank you. Is for the past probably five years or so, folks have been bring bring me Black History Month cakes. I love it. Like one year I was like, it's Black History Month. Where's my motherfucking cake? This one even says Black Futures Month. I'm and, telling Gwen. And so she needs to bring me a cake. Look, well, she brings me a cake. Are you time. leaving, Parker? Bye. Go. Thanks for coming Let me by. Buy it. I know. Food. I have to go too. I have a flight tomorrow. Wait, question. Where does every? Where's everyone? I know where you're going. Where do you? Where are you going? Back to the university. That's where you're staying. Yes. Can you give me a ride home. Jeez. I'm on the way. I know. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you. Absolutely. Um. I'm trying to figure out what time my flight leaves. Oh. Yeah. Wow, I guess it's been two hours that we've been on the mic. Uh, 140. 140? Are we sure? I feel like we just scrapped. Like, I don't even feel like we haven't we even got, started. We haven't even started. Like, no. I feel like we literally haven't actually even started. But that, you know, but this is, this is, hold on. So boarding is at 11.05. Yes. So I should, I should, and I'm checking a bag. Oh, I'm going to have to be there much earlier than I thought. What time did you think you had to be there? Because I'm, early. yeah, I'm going to have to be there that early. All right, I should go home. I should sleep and pack. Um, the conversations are continual. Yeah. Yes. And, the, and that's how they it never should, end. That's how it should be. Yeah. Like, uh, I love that there's friend, so many loose ends in this conversation. Right? My friend it's Asha, great. who's at Dalhousie now, yeah. she was like, she was like, do you honestly think that they had this well thought out plan of slavery and colonialism? No. No. They were making it up as they were going iterative. wrong. It was completely Right. Iterative. And they were like, oh, this didn't work. Let's try that. Oh, let's just call it drapetomania so they never run away. And let's just do whatever. And oh, look, we have medicine. Let's just, you know, do whatever. Yeah. They didn't know. No. And so, you know, it wasn't the well scripted reality TV show we've come to rely upon today. Yeah. And so the the undoing of it, the undoing of ourselves to create something new is not scripted. No. So it really is a meandering. Yeah. We're meandering through the but it's, it's only good. through the meander do we figure it out. I think. I agree. That's the thing I'm working on. Wow, wow. Live our way in deliberation. That's Bye. right. Bye PJ. Bye. 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 Thanks for seeing. See you next time. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm gonna get up to Nova Scotia. Yes, please come to Halifax. <laughs> Love you, Parker. Bye. Bye. Oh my God, that's so great. I just love having you here. I love talking to you. I love your. I love you listening to you. I love your brain. I'm trying to work I, it out. I just and I'm trying to work it out too. And it's really. It's really helpful to me to hear you say that you are working it out as you talk about it, as yeah. you think about it. Um, and what you're just saying now about how there's this like iterative process in in the colonial project. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's true. Like we really do need to give ourselves the permission yeah. to do this iteratively yeah. um, and to have all the conversations that we need to have. Yeah. 
You know, I stopped having the conversations for a long time because I was always afraid of saying the wrong thing or getting it wrong or being flamed or being, you know, whatever. Right? Yeah. Feel, the feelings of being disposed of. Yeah. And I've had those feelings. People have been like, oh, she ain't trash and disposed of me. And Look, I'm black sure, people are disposable. I'm sure that so. I've also, yeah. you know, done that in the past. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, you know, I remember the th- one of the reasons I wanted to go to grad school was so we could have these ideas, talk about these ideas. Yeah. And that's what grad school was for me. And they weren't simply just ideas, oh, let me look at my navel and gaze at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really was about how do we do our activism differently. That's yeah. why I was engaged in the ideas. Yeah, yeah. And so now I find that I'm back to those moments of just trying to work it out out loud with people. Where I get to say, but what about this and what about that? And then leave and get to think about it. Where it's not so much, oh, I can't even believe you think that. Or, oh, I can't believe you said that. And how do you not know this already? Which is and the how thi- do you not whatever? And that attitude embedded in social media is actually preventing people from thinking because they their people believe that they can't have troublesome, complicated, difficult they conversations should. and that they can't think about things. It, I yeah. mean, and, and this... That little piece that I've said, that is the only place, that little square millimeter is the only place where I stand with Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where we must have conversation. Now, this is not to say that we have to have conversations that prevent other people's lives, that denigrate, dispose of. I'm not here for that. Yeah. But I think we do need to talk about things in difficult ways and explore difficult ideas. Yeah, I'm not sure I would would ever say I agree with Jordan Peterson. Well, I, look, I'm just, but, I'm being as, no, no, like, I I'm not saying that I agree, because I don't agree. No, no, I'm no. I'm just saying. I, told, I, got all, I got all the nuances of what you were saying. Thank you. Okay. I know I did, I did, I did. Okay, great, 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 great. And. Because I just know someone's going to, like, put this in social media, Amber, and say, I got the sound clip yeah. where Kona said right. this I thing. I got the receipt. I got the receipt. Let people um, try to cancel. I'm not here for it. I, I do think that, that it is important to also be held accountable for the things yes. that's, that are said. Yes. And so while my anxieties are about being canceled, um, I, I, I've also kind of, and I, I don't necessarily think people get canceled, although I think it really feels that way. Mm-hmm. Right. And it can look that way. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there is this practice of attempting to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. That's not always generous. Right? And I and mm-hmm. and sometimes it doesn't need to be generous. Like I'm not going to be generous to Trump. I'm not going to be generous yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. other people. I'm not going to be generous to people who. Look, I'm not even going to be generous to black people who want to do black people harm. Like I'm not even going to be generous to black people who do black people. Look, harm. I'm not going to be generous to Jordan Peterson either. Right. Um. But there is, you know, and so how then do we be held accountable? In a way that's still reminiscent of restorative justice. Right? Like, how do we do that? So here's the thing. When you say that, what comes up for me is Kobe. Mm-hmm. So typically what happens is there's an out, you know, a statement is made about a man and his behavior. Somebody comes forth. And then all these other people show up. Mm-hmm. That is typically what happens. Mm-hmm. It takes one, two, three, whatever number of people, and then all these other allegations mm-hmm. show up. So the man dies, and you know, people, you know, within ten minutes, people are going in on how he's a rapist. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, facts, and I'm like, let me listen. Mm-hmm. And I waited a week because I was like, it's gonna come out that there were more women. Yeah, right. 
that's what I'm like. People are mourning. Could you please calm down? A child died. Like, could you actually? There's lots of other people who died. Can you actually like not taint their death? But I was like, also, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Me too movement. Blah blah blah. So I'm waiting for the other people to come out. Nobody comes forward. No one came forward. And I'm thinking to myself, now, maybe something extraordinary happened, and maybe there was some kind of something that happened that any other women that have experienced this somehow are not coming forward for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's true. What it appears to be is the thing that we scream about. There is a, 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 a horrible crime that happens, and then the person changes. Yeah. He, it appears that he, it appears that he didn't do it again. It appears that he then went in hard on women and supporting women. Like it appears that he it then did. That, and it also we also have his words where he said, "You know, sorry, Henry." We also have these words where he said, um, "I have come to understand." Yes, that I've was not my experience. To understand. And I've come to understand that she had a very different experience than I did. And so I look, and I was like, right, me too. I was like sideways. And so I look at that and I say, okay, this is the thing that occurred. And yet all this noise happened. And I think to myself, like, I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that's about anti-blackness, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yes. And when I, that along with things like prison abolition, mm-hmm. we have a failure of imagination. Part of what we fail to understand is like, what does restitution look like? We don't know what it looks like. And so I don't like, actually what is don't it celebrate. Like when we're getting the thing that we, like in this case, the man did the thing that we want. Like when we are screaming about liberation. I, I was like, he kind of did right? the thing you want other men to, to do. do. Right? Like when we're screaming about that racist institution, what we want is the institution to change. But what we want is the institution to change tomorrow. People aren't allowing the time of transition. And in the case of personal crimes, there's no... There, there, there's no reflection. There's no, no... He, he. from everything I read, and I didn't do a deep dive. I didn't either. Like, I'm he, just using him as a... It seemed to be example. that he did the thing we wanted. Yeah. But I would argue the institution is not the individual. Although in, in business law, the institution is treated as an individual. So institutions have known from the time that they were established that there was better behavior for them to happen. Sure, right? yes. And so, you know, I, Yes, yeah, yes, right? you're right, you're right. I stand corrected on that. I stand corrected on that. Yep. But I think there's a way where, you know, when I look at it, I was like, you know what? I remember when it happened. You're right. I didn't hear anyone else come forward. He, you know, when he made that statement, I thought, fuck me. All right, Kobe. I see. And then when you're right. When he did all of these things with his daughters... And I was like, all right, Kobe, I see what's going on here. Okay, I'm with you. I'm good with that. But so I'm when we, when we really... say to people, so when we say, when we use the word accountability, mm-hmm. Kobe is the latest example to me where I'm like, okay. Oh, Parker was supposed to take that cake. Can you poke him? Can you call him or text him? Yeah, keep going. Because that cake needs to go. But, um... So when we're having these conversations about accountability, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you say you want accountability. What does that look yeah. like? And Do he, you have a sense seemed, of that? Because there's seemed, no restoration. He seemed externally there's... humble. So he seemed externally humble. And, and so he, he seemed to fill the uh, respectable way to deal with whatever, right? Sure. That was not, that's not Harvey Weinstein. No. That's not fucking Bill Cosby. No. That's not what, you know, that's not R. Kelly. No. Right? And where the, you know, and Bill Cosby went to jail because a white woman, a white lesbian from Canada, 
was a, was the woman who's who's the case was predicated upon, right? Not any black women. I don't even know if he. I think he did like drug and rape black women. Yeah, he did. Harvey Weinstein. That was again predicated on um, predominantly white women. Yep. R. Kelly, the pedophile, is like yeah. all these young black, these underage black, black girls, not yet women. Yeah. And people really couldn't give a fuck. Yeah. Right? But there is, but there's also this, you know, like who gets to determine if there is enough of a mea copa? Like who gets yeah, to yeah, determine yeah. that? Who gets to determine that online? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And who gets to determine that in other lives? So Whiteness. Well, there's an internal part of me that's like, Yes, Harvey Weinstein went to jail, whatever, whatever. I still think about Mia Mingus, who was at a uh, National Women's Studies Association conference in Oakland a few many years ago. And at the conference, she said, we talk about, uh, you know, abolition, but what are we, how are we going to respond to the pedophile? How are we going to respond to the to the rapist, how, like, what are we going to do with them if we want to get rid of prisons? How are we going to, what is the community response to these, to the, to these egregious acts? And it really made me think through, like, what is the response? Because if it's not, and, and how do we respond to people who have no interest in restorative justice or making amends? Like, what do we do with that? Do we incarcerate them? Like the actual what, monsters. Like, what do we do? And so, and that's the thing I really sat with, because I was like, you know, I don't necessarily want to see black you know bill cosby or r kelly in jail or in prison um but i do want them to be held accountable but these are also black men that don't give a fuck about black people yes and so and and made their money right uh getting respect and joy from white supremacy so then of course they should be held accountable in white supremacist ways but i don't but if we are thinking truly about abolition the, what is the other thing that, that that could happen with them outside of reincarnation? Morgan's like, you don't get to talk anymore. No, you don't. Because um, we're almost at two hours and that's where I hit time. Oh, so, wow. I have to, we have to go. Yes. I got to pack. So, I have to get up early. I know. Are you taking a piece of cake with you? Uh, no. Could you, okay. though? Actually, Parker you says he'll come back. He'll t- do, take it second trip. And I'm like, Jesus. Later tonight? I'd, he what said kind of tough do you have? A uh, wide can, range. Um, um, can we do closing remarks, please? <laughs> We're gonna Christ. do closing remarks. Okay. I can't. Thank you. Oh my gosh, cute. Thank um, you, Omi Sheree. Thank you so much, Omi Sheree. For being on this, I think you're super cool, and yeah. I high key claim you as an adopted auntie. Yes. So, okay. I'm a good auntie. Auntie. <laughs> yes. I wish the whole world could see you dance in my kitchen. Yes. Um, a kitchen dancing auntie. Yes. Um, this episode is being recorded on March 2nd, right? Yes. 2020. Yeah. Is it March 2nd? Yes, it is. No, it's March 3rd, 22nd. It's March 3rd, 2020. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, for the record, um, the RCMP and CGL consumed uh, work on Wet'suwet'en territory yesterday, which, uh, despite talks that happened over cons- the weekend. Did you say they did what? Continued. Okay. Work occupying. Okay. Uh, trespassing <sighs> on Wet'suwet'en territory yesterday, um, March the 2nd, um, after days of talks between the government and the province and the hereditary chiefs. Um, Just for the record, because apparently people don't 
like they just read local news and headlines and they get excited. Um, no yes. agreement. No agreement has been has been come into effect. It has been presented. Um, it has not been taken to the feast table. Therefore, it has not been accepted. Um, and there's been actually no movement forward. And as I just said, the RCMP and Coastal Gas Link are also um, back on the territory doing work. So um, that's what's happening there. Um, tomorrow being. Um, March 4th, there is a nationwide school walk, uh, university yes. campus walkout yes. in solidarity for Wet'suwet'en, um, as well. And, um, folks are in strong efforts and, uh, holding down real hard, um, across the nation and across the continent and beyond. Um, I love the way that it's gone global. Mm-hmm. Listen, Halifax, it's so good. SMU, St. Yeah. Mary's yes. University, Dallas, yeah. and like I wish I was on yes. the ground. So yeah, folks are. Folks I'll be are in the air. Work. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So um, that's the update on that. I don't know where we're gonna be next. To be completely honest, I think I... Ne- the next episode might be Simone and Desmond Cole. But I, who knows what happens between now and then? Yeah, we have so much material in the can because whenever we come across someone like yourself who's coming through town, we're like, we gotta get some sound. So yeah. things are gonna be all out look of order. Look what we made happen! So great! I can't thing. wait. I'm not for even you. gonna need to edit it, which is great. I'm looking forward to you coming back. Yeah, I really wanna. I really wanna dig into your work. As oh my I god. Have, I will bring PowerPoint slides with all the images so I can show you the images because it, you really need to see the images and I would love to see your responses. And then we could describe the images in full like radio like detail okay. and stuff. Yeah, this is how you can tell I'm an academic because I say like a lot and so a lot. Uh, and I, love that. <laughs> I love that. So, um, and I'll come back with Gwen. That would be because good. Gwen's just like, why do you get to go and have fun without me? Okay, yeah, but, so. she, but she doesn't, Gwen doesn't get to have their voice on the mic. I know, no, 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 okay, it's great. not about Gwen, it's for us. Great. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know where we'll be next. Yeah. Um, Auntie, do you know how to do the socials plug, or is that still me? It's still you, because I haven't even bothered to learn how to do the socials okay, plug. Okay, no worries. I have to, like, literally Google our socials every time <laughs> I okay. want to look at them. It's okay. So... You can find us on both Instagram and Facebook at Black Chat Vancouver. That's just at Black Chat Vancouver. Um, you can also contribute to our well-being, keeping the lights on and us fed and things continuing onwards um, through our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash blackchat. Um, I think we're only two subscribe to... Or three patrons <coughs> away from being at 15, which means we can then start <coughs> providing transcripts of all of our podcasts, which would be great because there are folks who, one, just want to be able to, like, read through it and that are also, like, hard of hearing and want to experience it. And that's what would work for them. So Yeah, so, like, if, if, if ever you were wondering, like, what happens when you donate to a Patreon and, like, are these people just trying to pay their rent? This is literally a passion project. It's an intergenerational passion project. And the Patreon is set up so that we can buy a little food or drink when people are on the podcast. It's so that we can do the transcripts. It's really important for us to do the transcripts. And I don't even know that 15 people is going to allow us to actually do transcripts, all the transcripts that we need per... I mean, it'll it'll do... Anyway, it's a lot. Transcripts are so fucking expensive. They're like 150 bucks each. And, um, which come, yeah. And so that's what the money goes to. It doesn't go to our rent. It actually goes to doing more community work. Um, and so, yeah, please consider. Yeah. 
I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If I need 20 bucks, like, will I be like, auntie, can I please, like, pay my bills with this extra $20? Like, don't get that twisted. But, like, again, my liberation's wrapped up in y'all. So, like, you yeah, gotta let that slide. You're hilarious. Thanks. Um, auntie. Yeah. Thanks for being a co-host. You know, Morgan, I'm amazed constantly that you are my co-host and that we are doing this together. And I'm just so pleased and chuffed. And you bring me such fucking joy. And I'm so proud of you. Oh, my God. Wow. Thanks. Thanks for being a great co-host. Wow. And Omi Sheree, Dr. Dryden, thank you for being a super awesome and amazing guest. Like, really? For real. I did my face. Um, it's, let's just talk about how good Omi Shreya looks. Can we just, for the last 15 seconds. I just, do we have to talk about how good Omi Shreya looks? Because I can't even, your hair and makeup matches your shirt. Okay, well then we have five seconds. Let's do our bye. Bye. Bye.